Oh, it is so good to hear that music again. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the College Gridiron Show. I am Matt Costantini. I am joined by Jimmy Sullivan and Nick DeLuca. Guys, how's it been? It's it's been a, it's been a little bit. It's been a while, but it's great. It fe- it's like it's like Eminem, man. It feels it feels so good to be back. I'm, I'm happy <laughs> to be with you guys. And this should be another good show. I'm excited. Yeah, it, it seems like we don't have a lot to talk about, but oh no, we do. Oh, we have because <laughs> we we've been, we've been away now. for a while, so so we got to, we got to make up for some lost time here. So the NFL season officially concluded on Sunday with the Super Bowl. It is now a sprint until April. We are going straight to the combine to pro days, and then it will all eventually culminate in the NFL draft. Uh, but Jimmy. I, th- I think there's someone that uh, we don't really know what's going to happen, huh? Would that be? Would that happen to be um, Kyler Murray? I think it might possibly be a certain 2018, 2019 Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah, and it's not just that we're not sure. I'm not sure if he's sure. And you know what? We have video to support that. Yeah, so we are about to play a, a clip from the Dan Patrick show where he was interviewing Kyler Murray, and we'll let Kyler speak for himself. Uh, are you going to the combine? I don't know. Well, wait, wait. Dad, is he going to the combine? No comment. Dad had no comment there. Pro day? I mean, that's after the combine. Yeah, you're going to do a pro day? <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. I guess if you want to say yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. It's, it's okay. You can have a pro day. But I... Instead that of, would imply that I was going to play football. Uh, okay. So you're going to have a pro day? <laughs> <laughs> When's minor, when do you report for the Oakland A's? February 15th. Oh, you knew that. Okay. So you're, you're ready to go to do that. Wait, are you going to spring training? I don't know. Wait, you don't know? <laughs> Dad, is he going to spring training? <laughs> Another no comment here. Wow, I don't know, <laughs> Jimmy. Do you know what he's gonna do? So that so first of all, that interview reminded me of when Brett Musburger and Kirk Herbstreit had Eminem in the yep. booth for that <laughs> yes. Notre Dame Michigan game. <laughs> yes, they were asking him all these questions, and he was like, "Uh, I don't know." It was literally the same thing. And by the way, those were basic questions, and those were not gotcha questions. And what is not being shown, or what you can't see because it's the audio. Is this is Kyler Murray slouched down in a chair, sitting next to Dan Patrick, with his dad somewhere standing off camera answering these questions? That's my first question: Is how involved is the dad going to be? Is this Levar Ball 2.0? No, no one's Levar Ball. <laughs> that won't happen again. He's not Levar. That's just that's not possible. So let's it ha- not enough has happened yet. So let's just get into what he actually said. I think my favorite part of that entire interview is when when pa- when Patrick asked Kyler Murray. When do you report for spring training? He knew that immediately, but then he didn't. He didn't know if he was. He couldn't answer that. And before I throw it to you guys, let me just say I don't have a problem with Kyler Murray not answering these questions. They're they're simple questions that I'm sure he's being asked a lot. But the way that he answered them is the problem. the The aloofness, the slouching in the chair, and just saying I don't know instead of I can't talk about that right now or I'm not sure yet. That's where he went wrong. It makes him look uninterested in either sport to me, and it's just a bad look for him. In all fairness to Kyler, I will say spring training's 
more recent than, say, a pro day or the NFL Combine. That is, in all fairness to him, we do have to put that out there. But, you know, it's obviously a big decision for him because financially he's getting a lot of money up front to play baseball, and that's very hard to turn down. But like you said, there is a way to say, look, I'm not going to answer that question. And by the way, if you know those those questions are going to get asked— don't go on the Dan Patrick show in the first place. Just limit the media availability. Do a couple press conferences. Say, look, I can't answer that right now. I'm still weighing my options. And everyone would understand. Oh, yeah. Instead, this dude's just out here like, you going to do a pro day? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that, and that's the problem. So I, I don't – I'm not as worried about it as maybe some people are. It's a little bit of a concern, but, like, I, I'm more just amused by watching that clip. <laughs> I mean, it, it was funny. It, yeah, was it was funny, hilarious. but like he should be better prepared for that. And he's going to have interviews, and like the closer he gets to having to make a decision, there's going to be more stuff like this, and he's going to have to be prepared for it. And it, it, I just don't, I don't understand why he wouldn't be prepared for something like this, given the basicness of the questions, and also just the fact that everyone's talking about it, and you know that's going to get asked. I think you guys might be reading a little bit too much into him knowing the day of spring training. I don't think anybody asked him when is the NFL Combine, or what day would you have the pro day? So I think that was the only date he was asked, and he knew right away. If he knew what day he was going to do a pro day, that, of course, implies that he's doing a pro day. Or if he knows what day the NFL uh, NFL Scouting Combine is, that means he'll be there, right? So I I don't make too much out of that comment. And look, maybe he could have gone about it in a little bit of a better way, and, and I won't take that away from you guys, but I personally don't read much into that. Maybe he should be a little bit more open with the media, maybe not take the time slot out of Dan Patrick's show. But for me, he doesn't know. So maybe he should have said, I'm not sure yet, instead of saying, I don't know in the way he said it. But for me, I, I don't read too much into it because I, I genuinely believe that he's not sure. He, he doesn't know. Well, He's going to have to figure that out very quickly because, as he said, the Oakland Athletics report for spring training February 16th. The NFL scouting combine begins 10 days after that on February 26th. So I'm not sure if there's if there's a point where you have to declare you're going or you have to accept the invite or anything like that. I don't know the inner workings, but uh, you have to believe that that's a decision that he's going to have to make fairly quickly. Oh, probably in the next week, I would say. You're going to get something to come down, but it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting call to see what he goes with. My gut says he goes with football because I just think that's one it's too hard to turn down, two the draft slot even if he gets taken late first round, it's still really good money. And three, I mean the the wages in minor league baseball are brutal. So, I don't know if he's going to want to go through 3-4 years of that before going to the big leagues when there's no guarantee he's going to get there anyway. And he's struggled in professional leagues in the past. I mean, the Cape Cod League's not a professional league, but it kind of is. And he struggled there. So I, if I if I were advising him, I might go with baseball. But I, I just think football is going to be the one that he goes with for a lot of practical reasons. I will say that because baseball was the plan all along and the fact that he's now noncommittal, I think points in the direction of football. I think if he were to have gone and said, you know, I'm not sure to begin with or hadn't had any commitment with the A's, that that might have changed the narrative a little bit. But him originally committing to baseball and now going in and saying, I'm not sure, I think that tells you where his head is at in terms of I would be shocked if he's there on February the the 16th in Oakland for spring training. Part of me feels like he's going to keep playing this game up until the point where he can't play it anymore. 
I, I think that he might show up for spring training and then leave for the combine and then and then go back to spring training, play in some games, maybe go to his pro day, and then as we get closer to the draft, he's going to make his final choice to see where he, what he's hearing from, from the NFL scouts, what he's hearing from his camp there, what he's hearing from the A's as far as is he going to start in, in A-ball, double-A, triple-A, is it possible he gets a major league spot straight out of camp, depending on how he does there? So as we get closer to to that April NFL draft, I think it will become closer. And like I said, if I were him, I'd play I'd play both sides up until you can't anymore, and then make your decision. Um, I'm with all of you. I think it was ridiculous that the A's even gave him the option to go play his senior year at Oklahoma because they needed to know that this was a possibility, that they take him in the top 10 of the draft and he doesn't play a single game for you. Or he gets hurt. That was my thing. I I just, he might get hurt. And that's why it didn't make any sense to me for the A's to begin with. You, You risk that he got hurt and you let him leave the building. It was just bad management by Oakland, but... You know that's why they haven't won anything. And I and I know that he's a that he's a very impressive talent for football. But my whole thing is, go play baseball. You're basically all of your money is guaranteed. Even if you are playing in the minor leagues for the first couple of years, you have that first round pick money, which is more than probably your entire Double A team is making combined. And then. You're saving yourself from the potential injuries and later life issues that are possible. So I think he should go play baseball. Will he probably end up playing football? Yeah, I th- I think that's what he's going to do. It's not what I want to see him do, but I mean, this guy too is changing the rules of baseball when you think about it too, because they're talking about now giving major league contracts to these college guys, so they could just pick them up, give them major league money right out of college, so they can mm-hmm. keep them locked up. So this is this is a paradigm shifting moment. Yeah, for for that sport and for guys playing two sports in college, because it's it's tough when you're looking at oh, do I go with five million up front or do I go with more money down the road, and then what are the other things that come along with that? So it's very difficult call for him, but I mean, I guess I'd go with baseball, but like I really see both sides of it, and I think he's handled this for the most part, other than that Dan Patrick interview, really well. I think he's leveraged himself perfectly in this one. Yeah, so long story short, Kyler Murray, stay off TV, stay off radio if you're not going to give actual answers. And even if you don't have actual answers, handle it in a better way. So, there's another quarterback problem that's been cropping up these last couple days. Uh, I think because of how heavy the situation is, we're not going to joke around with it a little bit. Former Florida State quarterback now, uh, DeAndre Francois, was dismissed from the team after... Allegations were raised that he had uh, assaulted his ex-girlfriend, current girlfriend. I don't know the exact relationship there. Uh, And that was it. He was kicked off the team. Kudos to Willie Taggart and the Florida State staff for making that obviously tough decision to lose their starting quarterback. But uh, a couple days ago, we got a rebuttal from the accuser where she posted on her Instagram live story. Uh, it's a big old paragraph, not going to read the whole thing. You can find it if you want, but the the gist of it is, and a couple sentences here are, the motive of the video was to scare him, not to ruin anything he had going for himself. Uh, 
the sounds you hear in the video are me throwing things and hitting him. I should have never made it seem like he was hitting me. The video was made to look like it's something. It was never, it wasn't. Uh, DeAndre has never struck me with his hand or fist. He has never bruised me, but it has abused me verbally. Okay. So, this raises a whole bunch of issues, obviously. Uh, it, it brings back the... Uh, the accuser and the accused relationship, sh should people immediately believe those who accuse someone of violence, and then when this kind of thing happens, it delegitimizes actual violence that's happened, and it just makes everyone look like they're out to get something. What does, without getting too, too into the, the philosophy or the ethics of it, where do we... How do we handle this DeAndre Francois situation now? Well, I think it's it's challenging because you have to expect a baseline conduct from your players. And if your players are off doing things off the field that are not becoming of of young men who are taking their Division One scholarship seriously, then I don't know how you can trust them to produce on the field. And I think that that's amplified by 20 when you're the the starting quarterback at Florida State and an ACC program or anywhere but certainly a big time program like Florida State how can we trust DeAndre Francois to get it right on the field if we're not getting it right off the field it's an unfortunate situation you never like to hear about this at all and it's it's really too bad that Potentially, we've gotten a story that may not have been 100% factual. So I feel bad for everybody involved if there was any issues with the, the victim, and I feel bad if, if DeAndre Francois has been wronged in any way. But at the end of the day, I think that you see it's, it's sort of a trend, and, and you're going to see this sort of stuff continue because we, we've seen it the other way. We've seen Ohio State not do it. And then we've seen what the, the backlash that's come from that. And again, there are people who, conspiracy theorists, if you will, who are saying that may be why Urban Meyer is not coaching this year, right? So they may have gotten rid of him, uh, you know, said you can retire, finish out the season, not make a scene, whatever. But I think that there are people who, who might even believe that that's why Urban's not at Ohio State. So I, I think it's more just a, a product of trying to handle things as a program the right way. So shout out to Willie Taggart for that, but at the same time, maybe if if there, I just hope that that they did a full and thorough investigation when making this decision is the, is the only thing I will will leave this situation with because if they didn't and they one way or another made a mistake in terms of getting rid of Francois or believing the accuser, then they've gotten the situation wrong. But as long as they did an investigation and they made the decision that they made, then then I think they have to live with that. It's interesting, too, because this is kind of late-breaking, um, but the, the girl, Diamond Lindsay, uh, told ESPN yesterday that someone hacked her Instagram account. The statement was posted without her knowledge. So she's, she's recanting the recantment. Uh, so nobody really knows exactly what's going on with this story right now. But... You know, this is it's one where and, and we've seen it come up, too, because, you know, Southern Miss just tried to bring in Art Bryles as an O.C. And they read the tweets, basically, and, and said, no, we're going to shut that down. But they, that was their intention all along. They said, we're going to interview Art Bryles, probably with every intent of hiring him to, to make them their offensive coordinator. And then that could be his gateway back into being a college head coach. 
And look, it's a college football has gotten much more with the exception of Ohio State this year and probably a couple other cases as well, much more no tolerance with violence towards women, as it should be, I think. And, you know, you see Charlie Strong in the locker room with his five core values, and one of them is is respecting women, and, and that, that's that's awesome. But it's one of those where you also have to sit down and say, okay, let's just wait to, to make sure here, where you just make sure you have all the facts. And I'm not saying, like, you know, women as a whole lie, because usually they don't. This is... I th- I view this as an outlier. Absolutely. I really do. Absolutely. This is just one of those cases where everything's hitting the fan right now. Nobody knows exactly what to believe. And and the other thing I just want to say about this, going beyond the sort of big picture with Francois, there have been so many character red flags with him. I saw Jim Nagy with the Senior Bowl tweeted out like, "Yeah, we wouldn't have invited him. He, we have never seen more character red flags than we have seen with DeAndre Francois." So. This, I I don't want to describe it this way because it sounds callous. It was a little bit of an excuse for Willie Taggart to say, all right, gone. And it's it's one of those where it happens and you say, okay, he's out. Because even even if, let's say this didn't happen, it's still a trend of behavior. And it's still not acceptable. And he had that one really good season in 2016. He gets hurt in 2017, comes back last year, and everything goes to hell for Florida State. But... It's one of those where he sees, okay, he's in trouble. This is, I don't want to say an opportunity, but it's it's a reason for, for us to get him out of here. And it's an addition by subtraction type of thing for Florida State where I think they can replace him and say, okay, he's gone. He was not good in the locker room. He doesn't seem like a great guy. Let's get him out of here. Let's start fresh. So bigger picture for Florida State here is this upcoming season where they are going into their their next year with quarterback – James Blackman, who did not look great when he replaced Francois when he got hurt. Uh, they have a redshirt freshman, Jordan Travis. They're the only guys they have on scholarship. They have a guy, Nolan McDonald, who is described as a high-end walk-on, but that's kind of all he is, is a walk-on. And uh, that's it. They have three quarterbacks to their name, one that did not perform well when given the chance, and then two guys who haven't proven anything. They have... Signing day was today. I don't believe they made any any big pickups at quarterback. Uh, I think they lost one to Maryland. So they got some they got some issues. Uh, this year was bad for them. I don't think anyone's debating that they went five and seven in the ACC, which is not something that we're accustomed to seeing them do. And if they don't get their quarterback situation figured out, they're going to be looking at another very dismal season. And they're playing a tough slate too because they're starting the year against Boise State at home, which doesn't sound like a difficult game, but Boise State is good year after yeah, year. Boise, Boise State can go in there and beat them. And then you got Louisiana Monroe as a win. That's their token. Let's get to six wins game. Mm-hmm. Um, then then conference play starts. I mean, they they're at Clemson. They got Syracuse at home. Miami might be better. You never know. At Boston College, those could be four losses right there in a row. At Florida, probably a loss. They've got Alabama State. That's a win. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's gonna be tough for them, and they have they've fallen behind in the ACC. You think about 2017, they lose Jimbo Fisher to what should not be a better job mm-hmm. in Texas A&M, but it is right now. Yep, he he got out at just the right time. Yep, and now Willie Taggart sort of inherited a mess, but he's not also helping himself because he just has not done a very good job. It'll be a new offense this year for Florida State too. Do we know who the offensive coordinator is? Not off the top of my head, I do not, uh, but I see, I see you do. It would be a man by the name of Kendall Bryles, ironically enough. <laughs> see, okay. that's, a, that's a juxtaposition right there, because you get rid of Francois for 
that, and then you bring in Art's son. Now, granted, I don't know what Art's son had to do with that, but it just—it's still not a good look. It's weird. No, it's it. so I actually think that he's a, a pretty darn good offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I'll I've, give him that. I've heard, sure, yeah, uh, worked with Lane Kiffin at FAU, and and he's pretty well respected. So we'll see. But again, who knows how Francois even fit in that offense and what Kendall was looking to run and looking to do. But I, I agree with you guys in terms of this is this is a big year for Florida State because it was not good last year, not pretty at all, and they're and they're on the downswing. So I'm not saying they have to go undefeated next year or it's you know playoff or bust. But I think we need to see some positive momentum here, or, or Willie Taggart might be because Willie Taggart doesn't have an extended track record either. So no, I don't no. think that Florida State's going to give him the leeway that a Alabama and Nick Saban is a horrible example, but even <laughs> even Jimbo Fisher at Texas a- uh, at, at Texas A and M, right? So he's going to get more leash because he's been an established coach and has done a great job for a, for a pretty long time. Willie Taggart doesn't have that, so they better get it going quick down there in Tallahassee. So Jimmy, kind of just the last point here, and going off of what you said about them falling behind the ACC. Not only have they fallen behind the ACC, I feel like they've fallen behind in the state of Florida in terms of recruiting goes. I don't, I don't see anyone lining up to go play for Florida State when they can go play for Florida and or Miami. And what about UCF? I mean, also, yeah, UCF, I'd rather go play yeah, for UCF. Yeah, I mean, because they're gonna, they, it's a fun team and they win all their games every year. Maybe even USF at this point. Who knows? Maybe even yeah, because Charlie Strong's a really yeah. good coach and he's a guy who can go into the living rooms and be like, "Come play for me," give you a hell of a message, and then you'll go play for him. And then of course, there's Lane Kiffin at FAU, and they're not a big school, but it is still Lane Kiffin. <laughs> FAU, uh, I love FAU. And speaking of my, just, just, this is kind of a throwaway point. Have you guys seen the new punter for the University of Miami? Yes. If you guys haven't, please go look it up for all of you at home. This is the most terrifying man I have ever seen. He's an Australian. Unfortunately, I don't remember his name right off the top of my head. But tattoos up and down the arms, up on his neck. He's got the big gauges in his ears. He's got a nice little... Uh, Hulk Hogan mustache going, and he just looks absolutely terrifying and looks exactly the type of player that Miami would have. His his name is Lewis Headley, and uh, I can't believe he's playing college football. <laughs> uh, this guy... Wow, he's what are his measurables? He's massive. Yeah, it's he's a, he's twenty four years old. He's struggling to make it in Aussie rules football. So now he's coming over here to play for Miami, and. There's a highlight video of him, so he's got to be pretty good. <laughs> Six four, two hundred fifteen. There it pounds. is. Wow. <laughs> All right. Wow. Wow. That's that's not a punter. That's not a punter size. As Deadspin says, Headley may look like a hardcore singer that will at any point in time scream, "Open up the pit!" <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, that. Please go and look at his picture. I I beg you, you will not be disappointed. So our last our last little little talking point here today is kind of in a more interesting thought experiment, let's let's call it. So there was a Bleacher Report article yesterday about how Trevor Lawrence must resist bolting college football for quick pre NFL cash. I, I I can already see where this is going. The agent for Tom Brady, Don E believes that Trevor Lawrence could be the next Joe Namath. He he is the co-founder of the Pacific Pro Football League, which is planned to start in July 2019. And he believes that 
his quote is, our player population will be players such as Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. We would like to make him an employment offer, professionalize him right away, be our Joe Namath. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't even know, and I'm not often speechless, but I, I really don't know how to respond to that. My biggest thing is the position. Are, are there like four leagues that are just popping up yeah. all of a sudden? This is ridiculous. Yeah, we're going to have the NFL. Anyway. We're going to have the American Alliance of Football, which starts this weekend. And then we're going to have the XFL, XFL right. which is starting soon. And now we have the Pacific Pro Football League. Hmm. Perfect. Uh, so for me, I think it's an interesting conversation because certainly in talking about the AAF, which is starting up soon, I think that that's the biggest sort of demographic they, they need to hit to find success. And that's trying to get kids to boycott college and not go play college football and instead opt to play for money in the AAF. Now, I don't know. It's tough because right now to make that decision is... I would say wrong because you're not playing, in my opinion, against top quality competition. And I think that you are getting more out of being in college right now as a player in Trevor Lawrence's case at Clemson, playing Alabama, playing the other teams that you'll play. Granted, the ACC isn't great, but playing the teams that you will play uh, as opposed to playing the, you know, Atlanta, whatever they are, you know, is <laughs> the Orlando Apollos. Orlando yeah. Apollos, right? You know, going against the the fearsome Memphis Express with Mike Singletary's defense. I just, I, I for me, stay in college because you're playing that competition right now. Going forward, if more people make the decision and it's more top level college talent, that's fine. But for me. Uh, not right now. I think it's it's not a good idea, and and I'm talking about the AAF, which is a much better league than the Pacific League that that Don Yee is talking about. And Jimmy, before you get to your point, real cheap plug: former Fordham quarterback Kevin Anderson, quarterback for the Orlando Apollos. You know who his coach is? Steve Spurrier, old ball coach. A little cheap plug right there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not have your AAF slander because you've got Steve Spurrier in this league, the San Diego Fleet coached by Mike Martz, author of The Greatest Show on Turf. He's still alive? Yeah, no, he's wow. still alive. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then Who you've knew? got the San Antonio Commanders. This is a throwback. Big in and out burger guy, Mike Riley, is their head coach. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> we've got, we got a lot of stuff going down here in the, uh, the AAF. But you're right. I think you made a great point, Nick, about trying to get these young players to go to the AAF when they're 18 or 19 as opposed to 20 or 21 because I had heard that LeVar Ball was starting a league. and now The I have big to, baller league. Now man. I have to put a dollar in the jar because I said his name. <laughs> but you know he was going to start a league, and the model was going to be, hey, we're going to take kids right out of high school who don't want to go through the one and done of college basketball, and we're going to put them in our league. A guy like... I'm just thinking a couple years ago, a guy like Wade Baldwin, who was going to be, you know, a top five or top ten pick and falls to 21. Now you don't have to deal with that because you're spending that time in that league. So then the question becomes, do these leagues become transition leagues to the NFL or are they legitimately competing? And if they're going to legitimately compete, then they probably need to play in the spring because the crowd you need to appeal to is the 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 football withdrawal crowd. Yeah, the people that don't like baseball and the ones who are just waiting for football to come back. Yeah, you need to appeal to those people and you can do that because the USFL did it in the 80s and then they, they got greedy and there's a very good 30 for 30 about it. You can watch it and all that. But 
if they do that, then it becomes, hey, are we seriously competing with them? And then what kind of salaries can we offer? Because I don't know if they can realistically compete. And everybody complains about the NFL salaries, and, and rightfully so, because they can afford to pay more. But I don't know what kind of money the AAF can give a Trevor Lawrence when he's 19, as opposed to what the NFL can give him taking him number one, which is going to be a pretty good deal when he's 20 years old and he puts his name in the draft. It, it really is something to think about, because... When you just look at the, the the biggest college sports as basketball and football, the one-and-done rule in, in basketball, people aren't thrilled with it that they're making kids go to go to college when they could obviously play in the NBA right away. I'm looking at you, Zion Williamson. You have no reason to be playing college basketball right now. You could be playing for in the NBA. And then when you look at college football, my argument is, I like the three-year rule because the NFL is such a different game where these guys at 18 years old are not physically ready to go and play in the NFL. Like, imagine last year, Tua Tagovailoa, as a fresh little baby boy at Alabama, goes and plays in the NFL instead and gets the daylights knocked out of him by J.J. Watt. I mean, it... As in terms of the physical readiness, it's fine. But when you look at these at these leagues, Jimmy, your point is great. Are they just going to be feeder leagues? Are they going to be like a farm system for football, which people have been begging for for a while? If they're going to be that, just say that. Let NFL teams set up their farm system. Let them have a subsidiary team, kind of like the NBA has with the G League, and we'll just all go. We'll all go from there. We'll all be happy. Whatever. It'll give guys time to develop, that they don't spend wasting their careers in the NFL, just bouncing from roster to roster, they can play and get notoriety. But don't sit there and tell me that you want to be a legitimate competitor to the NFL. Well, the NFL used to have a farm system, and they used to have NFL Europe, and, yep. and you, go, you had guys like Terrell Davis and James Harrison went to NFL Europe, and then they thrived there. Terrell Davis actually made the team because of a preseason NFL game, not an NFL Europe game, but it was a game they played in Japan, and he lit a guy up on special teams, and they said, all right, we need to put him on the roster. So then is the AAF going to become NFL Europe stateside? That, that's the fear, because if, if you're just going to do that, then you're just playing right into the NFL's hands, and I don't think that's what Dick Ebersol and the guys running the AAF want to do. So it's interesting, but I, I think that does have to be the model. Like, hey, you're 18 years old. You're not physically ready to go to the NFL. You know you're not physically ready to go to the NFL. Come play for us for three years. But then that, how sustainable is that? I don't, I don't think that's very sustainable. And then would the NFL consider changing its rules to allow a potential one-and-done or people to come in right away to say, no, we don't want these guys going to the AAF if they were deciding to stay long-term? right? If they're losing players to the AAF long-term, then I think they would open up the draft and, and it'll be a, a big leverage sort of play. But – I I think that that would be an interesting conversation too. Do you think that they would change how the draft works? I mean, I know back when the when the USL was was around or the whatever it was the the other football league, guys would be there and then they would sign NFL contracts. Do you think that if it became that kind of league, would the NFL change it from being an amateur draft to an everyone draft? They they already kind of have a supplemental draft, though. I don't know if they would want to do... Because, like, you had Terrell Pryor get taken in a supplemental draft. You've had guys go in a supplemental draft and get and get and 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 have good careers. So I don't... I think what they could do is combine those two. 
So you only have one draft, but it's a draft for everybody. But that's then you're going to include undrafted free agents. You're going to have you're going to have guys who. And then what's the criteria? I mean, there's so many good questions to ask too because it's is it going to be college guys? Is it going to be AAF guys? If a guy played in the NFL for three years, like like what's your criteria there? I mean, there's a lot of good questions there, but it's really not a bad idea, especially if if one of these leagues does become kind of like a, a G League for the NFL. I think you have to. I don't know. This is a good question. <laughs> I, I, I think you have to allow players once they reach the age. I think it's got to be an age thing, right? So once you reach the age of twenty-one or twenty or whatever it is, it's a little bit different based upon the just the three-year in college rule right now. But I think then it's a certain age, and then they're eligible to be placed in the NFL draft from the AAF. I don't. I don't think you can. I don't think the NFL would would quote unquote stoop to the level of drafting with the AAF because then again that also doesn't give the players control of which league they're playing in, which I uh-huh. I think would be a pretty big deal, and I, I find it hard to believe that that would sign off with the players' association. Yeah, so it's definitely something that is not going to happen anytime soon, but it's something to think about. Um, we will be definitely around. Uh, we'll probably take another little break before the Combine stars. We will definitely be back for then. But then from there on out, it is, like I said in the beginning, it is a sprint for us. We will be probably here every week. So stay tuned, come back, and thanks for listening. <laughs>